Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, and welcome to Unsheathed number Sweet 16. Ooh, um, sweet 16. Um, Fox Kyle Gold. I... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, I broke you early in this one. You know, it's, I, I'm a creature of routine, and when you throw me a wrench and something I'm not expecting, it totally catches me off guard. I've had one. I've had exactly one sip of wine, so I'm not even going to be able to blame that. So yes, I'm easily flustered. Wine drinking otter came here, Saki. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are here on uh, day after the day after Halloween, having spent the weekend. Dressing up, pretending to be other people, at least for a little bit. Yeah, kind, kind You know, I I kept having all these last minute costume ideas that never came together. Well, I, I actually was caught without a prepared costume, so I just uh, took off my pants and went as an otter. <sighs> yeah, see, that's that's better than my deciding. I was just kind of throw on a wig, wrap myself in bubble wrap, and say I was Lady Gaga. <laughs> but you do love your Lady Gaga. <sighs> I bought her new single the other day, and I've been listening to it nigh constantly. Does that have any effect on uh, what you're writing, or is it just something to a mood-altering music, as it were? I think it's because I'm really gay, and when, I'm, when I get in a bad mood and I need to pick me up, Lady Gaga is one of those things I go to. I don't know. Yeah, it works. It works for me. I haven't had time to write lately. I didn't. I got almost no writing done over the weekend, which actually kind of put me in a bad mood. Well, I, I posted about this on my live journal, but I had a very odd experience that I've not had in quite some time, which was being stranded kind of without my laptop nearby because... The uh, battery now apparently only holds enough charge to tell me that it doesn't have any charge left, and um, then it dies. So I got struck with the idea of something I wanted to write and ended up taking out my little privileged Artiste Molesky notebook and writing about 23 pages worth of uh, new story that I previously had not even thought I was going to write, which did not come at a very opportune time since I'm trying to finish up Shadow of the Father and um, finish up this other project that I'm working on um, and, you know, doing whatever else. But at the same time, I enjoyed getting it, I enjoyed getting it done. Yeah, lately, like, 2,300 words would take me, like, almost two weeks to get out at the rate I've been going lately. Yeah, we need to fix that. Yeah, I don't know what to do about that. It's kind of disappointing. Well, we had we talked a little bit about writer's block, and I think at some point you just have to realize that writing comes and writing goes and have confidence that it's going to come back because the more you stress about um, not writing, the more stressed you get and the less you're going to write. Um, and that said, I still stress when I go through periods like that too. And I don't know what to do except get a lot of sleep, be well-rested, and open be open to new ideas. I also have some crystals I could sell you that would work. <laughs> I could just continue to raid kids' 
wine cabinet also. That might help. Yeah, that works too. Um, so I thought before we got to the questions, we would announce our special plans since someone on LiveJournal already sort of suggested that we do what we already planned to do. Uh, for the next episode, we're not going to do a regular unsheathed. We're going to do an unsheathed presents number one at which we are going to read on the air the story that I wrote for KM Hirosaki. I'm uh, really interested to see how that's going to come out. <laughs> so am I. Especially since I think I have to be in it, don't I? Uh, you, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But Yeah, but deep down inside we both know I want to do it. Yeah, that's, that's kind true. of the moral of the story, isn't it? <laughs> It, it It is, and we're very much looking forward to this. We have uh, a few people in to voice the characters in the story and hopefully to do some of the narration, and we are looking forward to it and hope you all will enjoy it too. But uh, speaking of which, as I threatened uh, during our last episode about getting my uh, story back to you as my means of Revenge, as I understand the two of you have uh, read that by now as well. Oh, yes, we have. Um, and you certainly got your revenge. I struggled really hard with that, too. It was As I told you multiple times over the course of writing it, I think my story was way harder to write than yours was. Yeah, and, and, I, and I understand and appreciate that, but I also think that you kind of deliberately chose a a setting and story that made it a little more difficult. I but, didn't think I was going to be able to outdo you, but I had to outdo myself. That was my main goal. <laughs> well, I think you did an admirable job, and we're well, thank you. planning to read that as Unseed number two uh, at some point later on in the year, which yeah. um, I'm looking forward to being in that one. That one's well. going to be an interesting one to record for a number of reasons, which I can't say without giving away too much of the shtick. Yes, it will. Now, here's a question, which I don't even think we've discussed this off the air. Are we going to wait until after we've read them to post them online? Uh, I was going to wait to post mine, yeah. Yeah, I should. we should do that. I think... It'll make it more special. Listen, let people listen to it and then uh, post it up after a week or two. Yeah, that, that works for me. All right. Sounds like a plan. And with that, uh, do we have anything else to talk about what we've been doing? Uh, uh, nothing is spring immediately to mind. We did have uh, a few... Yeah, nothing really since last week. All right. Uh, we intended to have Flane on this show, and uh, he was not feeling up to podcasting tonight, and our... Schedules for the rest of the week kind of do not allow us to um, record any other night. So he is leaving the area this weekend, and uh, we doubt we'll be able to get him back on the show, at least in this time frame. But hopefully he'll be out here more permanently in the future, and then we can have him come over and participate on a more regular basis. I was about to say that I want Flane to know that I'm very upset with him, but I hadn't heard about these possible plans to be out here more permanently so that's news to me well uh, you know a lot of people would like to move out here and 
Everyone wants to live in a secret bunker. He's got reasons. Mountain fortress. Yes. Our fortress is the envy of, of many. Is, is that a quote from something, or did you just say that? I just made that up. It sounds like a quote, and um, uh, but you know, we're we're writerly. I think that we're predisposed to want to assume that anything intelligent that we say must have come from somebody else. Uh, speaking of in, intelligent things to say, I think that we're pretty much almost ready to move on to the questions if you are with me. Yes. Um, I'm being reminded by our tech-savvy wolf to ask people to send in questions on holiday themes because the show that after we do Unsheathed Presents, we're going to be doing a holiday theme. That's right. And while certainly between the two of us we have enough material to talk about holidays, I think if we have listeners that have questions about holiday stories... Uh, we could certainly take a few of them. Yeah, and I, I think that we can definitely get a lot of traction from your end. I think that one of your most controversial stories ever is one of your Christmas stories. You know, the, just getting a lot of traction from my end. <laughs> ah. That's not a line I use I was in the just, story. I by was the just going to say if. If there's a lot of traction, then I think you're doing it wrong. Uh, but, this is uh, where I say something about otters being naturally slippery all the time. But anyway. And according so, to you, naturally in, pantsless. And, and, well, I, I wasn't the one that started that. I wasn't born with pants on, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't born with a glass of wine in your hand either. No, but I might as well have been. <laughs> You'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference, wouldn't you? Uh, I certainly have, will say it's a rare sight um, to see you without. But Tonight is a Gewurz demeanor, by the way. It's very good. It's not It's not cloyingly sweet. Uh, if, um, if our wine-savvy wolf allows, we will, uh, we will post the actual... Uh, being corrected, I'm not drinking Gewurz I mean, it's a Pinot Grigio, which it didn't taste at all like a Gewurz demeanor, and I felt embarrassed to say that. So I'm a bad I think wine just wanted now. to say Gewurz demeanor. No, 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 no. I was told I was going to be having Gewurz demeanor, and <sighs> anyway, we'll we'll post up as we I lost are... all of my sommelier points. As we're trying to do on a more regular basis, we'll post up what the wine is. The, the official one of that episode we will post up with the show. Um, this week is Hirosaki doesn't know what the heck he's drinking. <laughs> and my wine is, of course, Coke Zero, which one of our listeners has told me has uh, gotten addicted to, partially thanks to me plugging it on the air. So, uh, Coke, Coca-Cola, my check is uh, in the mail. Is that right? Also NFL. <laughs> oh, also NFL. Um. But, uh, so, our first question is kind of a short one from Fradas, who just wants to know, is there any limit on the length a chapter can be in a novel? Twelve. Yeah. Twelve length. Sounds right to me. Twelve parsecs. Oh, don't even get... Oh, a parsec <laughs> is a unit of length. Damn it. No, that's how long it has to take you to read it. Oh, yeah, twelve parsecs. Right. Um... 
That's twice today. Yeah. I will, uh, didn't, uh, didn't we read a book recently that had like a one sentence chapter? Yes. That Do you remember the, which one? The China Mievo one? Yes, it was. Right. Um, so, you know, short answer, no. Long answer, it depends because a chapter should be a scene, something should happen, and it should be more or less self contained. But it should yeah. also be. I mean, I had somebody complain about the last part of Out of Position because there were no chapter breaks. And, and you know, that it is a little bit long to be a single... Yeah, but there are unit. also no natural storytelling breaks in it either. Well, there's some, I think. There were places I could have broken it up. but um, So there's not really a limit. It's just kind of what feels right. I've written, like, Shadow of the Father has 28 chapters something like that 31 maybe and some of the chapters are pretty short as i'm laying it out they're like four pages um but they're kind of natural breaks in the action you don't want them to be too short because you don't want to be jumping around too much but at the same time you don't want um just like huge long you know they're, they're yeah. as long as they need to be. i mean I, I sort of think of chapter length as sort of a scaled up version of paragraph length where the length is going to change depending upon the needs of what you're saying, and also depending upon writing style. Right. You know, like I personally tend to use fairly short paragraphs in general. I think I write shorter paragraphs than you do, and it's just sort of that's like this, you know, the writing unit. You know, a paragraph is its own cohesive thought. Once that's done, you move on to the next paragraph. I think if you're breaking your story up into sections, if you have a you know, cohesive piece that can be set aside as its own chapter, then that's how long it needs to be. And like, when it comes to things like suspense thrillers, like the kind of, like, airport thriller things, I mean, you're going to have a bunch of, like, three, four-page chapters because they're designed to be read in small, brief right. bits. And I was going to say with, like, um, and I just thought of this and it went away, with your, your standard science fiction or fantasy books where there's mm -hmm. a lot of world-building the chapters tend to be longer because you're putting in a lot more description of the world. Um, so, but yeah, with an action story, and that's, I think, why they're shorter in shadow because you jump, the, the action moves around a lot. And, I mean, I think that I wouldn't say that that just by virtue of it being shorter chapters, that means it's schlockier or it's more poorly paced. That's not at all what I'm trying to imply. No. So, that's... Our take on it. So yeah, don't worry about it. Just sort of, you just kind of get a feel for it. There's not like a, like a written codex that defines how long your chapters need to be. Don't put a chapter break in the middle of a scene. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all. Okay. So we have a, another question. So the email begins... Since this came up on Kyle's journal and he suggested I formulate it into an email for the podcast, here goes. How anthro does something have to be to be furry? Specifically, my species of choice for writing would be dolphins, since there's so little out there, but anthro dolphins aren't all that interesting. Yes, it's easier to say, oh, it's an anthro dolphin, so it can be out of the water and walk around with all the other characters, but it doesn't force you, as the author or a reader, down the path of, just how would a limbless, waterbound yet sentient creature interact with a world based primarily around land creatures? 
If one writes a G-rated story about intelligent dolphins, then whatever. However, this is an erotic podcast, and dolphins have a similar reputation to foxes. Well earned on our part, I speak not of foxes. So if you don't have arms and legs, do you still have a furry erotica story, or have you descended into something entirely different? So... Well, they still have a mouth, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dolphins do have all those little teeth, but, you know, still. You didn't even go for the blowhole joke? Wow, I'm surprised. It's not quite a blowjob. No, but it, it sounds dirty when you say it. If you're us. That's true. I mean, as far as the aquatic mammal sex contingent goes, I'm sort of a semi-ambassador for that. Yeah, but you got fur. You're not cetacean. No, but there's playing around in the water. Okay, and I have limbs. Yeah, you have limbs. And, and... sexy webby paws. Exactly. I made a hand gesture to the microphone when I just said that. Oh, it picks it up. <laughs> the, the listeners knows. have a brisier. They can feel the sound waves from the air movements from oh, your paws. Oh, that's right. So, I actually think it's an interesting point that he says, oh, if you write a G-rated story about intelligent dolphins, then whatever. I think that's kind of a dismissive point. I think you can certainly, you know, tell a worthwhile story about intelligent dolphins and not just have it be whatever. Well, I, and I'd point to, which I'm sure he's read, this was, I think, Flipper Anubai? Uh, yes, um, that's correct. And I I would point to Star Tide Rising by David Brin, which has intelligent dolphins in it. Um, I haven't read that. I'm, I'm familiar with the name of it, though, now that you mention it. David Brin has the uplift conceit where mankind uplifted... Uh, certain species to be intelligent and so they have dolphins but they're not anthropomorphized at all they're just dolphins um although they are fairly randy in the book and there's a dolphin human sex scene i believe or at least a dolphin dolphin sex scene seriously oh yeah see Um, that just goes to show that it's not just us furry writers who are the the weird freaky perverts oh no not at all the other point that he mentions just before we get on to finishing answering it was he's talking about how, oh, you can just say they're anthro and that doesn't force the reader or the author to question it. I disagree with that, too. I think that if you're talking about a dolphin walking around and you're not specifying, you know, does it not have limbs, like, does it have legs, or is it just sort of there floating? I mean, I definitely think that's something that a reader is going to want to know what you mean if you don't go out of your way to describe it. Yeah, and I think that the um, kind of I'm sort of questioning what he means by is it furry erotica? If it's anthropomorphic, then you've got all the elements of furry erotica. I mean, I think it is interesting to have dolphins. kind of the challenges they would face in coming up with ways to fulfill their sex drive with non-dolphin animals, whether they are just natural dolphins who somehow are interacting with land creatures. I mean, that that puts that whole thing into like, well, you have to come in the water to have our relationship with me. Right. Or if they're kind of those modified to walk around dolphins, 
they you know they still have challenges they still need to be kept wet uh, i would assume i don't know how I, i'm not really into the whole cetacean scene so i haven't seen a lot of that yeah stories. I, I used to be into cetacean marine biology when i was in school but my focus drifted away from that and at least in terms of the furry fandom I don't know a lot about... There, there's probably a lot that the cetacean furs out there take for granted that just haven't occurred to me yet, much like how stuff occurs to furries that normal people would never have thought of. Right. Um, I say normal people, like, we're freaks. Well, we are freaks. <laughs> we're just freaks in a different way than everyone else's freaks. Exactly. Usually. Although, as I, as I was talking about earlier tonight in a different context... I I think furries also kind of sort of overplay in their own minds how freaky we are. Like, I think that there's stuff that we think, oh, main mainstream people would never have thought of this. Like dolphins having sex with people, apparently. Like dolphins having sex with people, which happens, and which people go out and into the water specifically to try to frolic with dolphins, and some of them have less than pure motives. Um, that happens. I mean, hell, it was the subject of a King of the Hill episode. I was just thinking about that, but I was afraid to mention it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll never speak of this again. <laughs> so, uh, I think, I don't, again, you know, and I, I think in general, I don't think you need to get too caught up in is this a furry erotica story? Is it not a furry erotica story? If you've got an anthropomorphized animal, yeah, you've got a furry story. And if they're giving out blowjobs, then it's a furry erotica story. It's, yeah. Um, and if you know, if it's a good story, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, because when you get to a higher level, you get into the discussion of where does and does not the term furry specifically apply, and that's a debate for the ages and one that we're not going to settle here. No. Not in half an hour or how much time we have in this one. So, uh, we'll take our last question from Kaz Wolf. Hey, Kaz. Hello again. Um, he writes, Hello, Mr. Kyle and Hirosaki-san. I've actually come up with a question that's given me pause in one of my own works. <laughs> I said pause. As well did he as actually say Kyle's. pause or did he... No, have... he wrote P-A-U-S-E. I was going to say, I almost can't imagine him doing that. I don't know. I don't think he would. But I would say it. Um, I've sent your question once before a few weeks ago, but I found this one to be more personally important and much, much less dry. I'd really love to hear your answers. Well, we do not approve of dryness on this podcast. So. No. For dolphins or otters. Or, right. Or foxes. But... <laughs> or traction. <laughs> less traction. How would you deal with the concept of feral wildlife? Often this issue doesn't come up, mostly in urban scenarios where you would expect to see only humans or likewise other anthropomorphics. I noticed, however, that in Vol, within a few pages, the main character has a romantic advance made on him by a quite anthropomorphic buck, and then is discussing briefly about riding horses that are kept in stables and so on. In this case, the line is very blurry indeed, as a buck and a horse are not far removed, and yet one is cruising gay bars and the other is pulling carriages. This is what grates at me to no end. Where can one draw a line? Would you consider a world where only predatory species are sentient to be reasonable? Or a world where literally, where literally all living things are intelligent and interactive? That's a challenge to even imagine. Sentient fruit flies would be awesome spies. 
Or would you consider having both anthropomorphs and feral counterparts coexisting in one universe in a sort of separation as how we regard apes? Please do discuss. This has actually been bothering me. And I have to read the signature because he signed it, Cause Blowjob Enthusiast. You're always welcome here, our friend. <laughs> yes. Come down to the Bay Area, we'll have you on the podcast. But um, it's... So first of all, I think if there was a mention specifically of horses in Vol, it was accidental because I tried to remove all references to horses for specifically that reason. I call them mounts when I can, or when I have to refer to them directly. You said mount. <laughs> the term mounts gave him pause. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but I did avoid calling them horses for specifically that reason because if you use horse in a furry story, people expect them to be sentient horses. And then you have to explain why they're not. And, you know, the reason, for the record, the reason there's no sentient horses in the Vol universe is because I was sticking to um, mostly wild, North American wild species. And horses are not native to North America. Right. They're introduced here by the Spanish conquistadors. The wild mustangs of the West are escaped feral horses. They're not native to North America. So there you go. Short biology lesson. Very short, but accurate. Um, in some cases, though, where we have feral wildlife, I've kind of let it coexist with the anthropomorphic wildlife, and I just call them wild squirrels or wild foxes someone else i think called them feral and someone else had a really good term for them which i forget what it was do you remember is this something i would have read yeah probably it was online somewhere we were talking about this or someone ah shoot uh i want to say it might have been in one of the panels at rainforest actually Oh, you know, it's not ringing a bell, but I feel like it's supposed to be. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's interesting how we would probably call them, they would probably call them something different, like we call apes apes, and the, you know, occasionally we call, you know, like there's the Desmond Morris book, The Naked Ape, and um, we call when we want to denigrate humans, we call them apes. But to come up with that term, you'd have to really be investing a lot in the world building in a novel, and I've never wanted to build yeah. it up to that extent. Like, I know that in Wicked, they do it with capitalized and non-capitalized names mm. for the species, which, if you're not doing it in a deliberately fairy esque fantastical setting, that could almost be trite. Yeah, because there's no actual way to hear and perceive that difference in conversation. If you don't see it written, there's actually no way to tell. Um, but it, I kind of imagine that there'd be something to do with the church, where the church would hold that the anthropomorphized species had been blessed by Gaia or God or whoever you have, and so you could get away with calling them sort of unblessed or savage something like that, where they exist in a wild state of, uh, I don't know, untouched by godness. Yeah. How did they do it in Narnia? Um, they, when they differentiated talking animals from uh, the other ones. 
Weren't they originally all talking animals, and then the magic left, and then they became... No, well, Aslan blessed some of them, and there's one scene in the last book where a guy is beating a horse, and they assume it's not a talking horse, but then the horse says, can't you see I'm doing the best I can, and they realize that it is a talking horse, and they're like, how could you harness and enslave a talking horse, and they kill the guy, and... So, there's obviously talking horses and non-talking horses in Narnia. Okay. And their whole thing is, if you ever leave the teachings of Aslan, then you lose the power of speech and become a dumb animal. Okay. But I'm trying to remember if they yeah, refer to the dumb animals in any the, way other the than The book just... I remember the most well out of all of them is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I'm it pretty doesn't sure that, really come up in that. Yeah, all of the animals talk in that one, right. so... Which is in itself an interesting discussion for a different time about how um, that and The Hobbit are both kind of similar and they start out very whimsical and eventually the the whole chronicle of the land becomes much more serious right. toward the end of it. But Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe starts with, yeah, all yeah. talking animals. Two other settings and gay that, fox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two other settings that come to mind... Um, one of them is Ironclaw, which I think I've mentioned on the show before, where the non-sentient wildlife is all reptilian and avian, mm-hmm. and then like the sentient species are all mammals, which kind of got thrown off when they went to Jade Claw, and then they had to bring in like for the Chinese setting. And then you started adding, you know, dragons and tortoises and cranes and all these other species into the intelligent mix. But I mean, there's still a definite they had fictional wildlife that did not have real world analogs uh so that's how they did that Mm. in shard which is the other one i've mentioned on the show before uh all of the wildlife is insectoid Mm. in origin gotcha um and then the the actual animal species are all you know bipedal and sentient Although that's a really weird, like, extra-dimensional, very unusual, atypical setting, which is actually really kind of cool when it comes down to it. But it's, I, I think that the lesson to be learned is that there's not a right answer on where do you draw the line and how you do and don't differentiate it. It depends on the story that I think you're telling. Yeah, it needs to, it needs to be in a way that makes sense and is unambiguous but there's many different ways to do it and i think if you want to just ignore the whole problem of feral wildlife or maybe say okay there's foxes and rabbits and you know they're all sentient and then there's kind of other critters that are out there like in um in the forester universe there's domesticated animals which are not sentient so you've got Cows and chickens and pigs and... Because so know they and, talk about eating chicken. And so you've got, yeah, you've got beef, you've got chicken, you've got turkey, you've got pork and all that. Because that's the meat of non-sentient animals and that's okay to eat. And eating sentient animals is not okay. Are there... Kind of like with us. Are there sentient bovines in the forest universe? No. Okay, I didn't think there were. But you do have, you know, dogs uh, and horses. Uh, we do have horses. Yeah. And what was the other one? Like, you have, like, deer and bucks and, that are sentient as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, deer are wild. Yeah, I do have horses in that universe, but um, I'm trying to think if there's bulls. I don't think there are bulls. I don't recall any. But you have sheep. We do have sheep. You have sentient sheep. Wow, I don't remember them. You have Father Joe. Oh, he's a doll sheep. That doesn't count. That that does do count. It's a he's like a mountain sheep. It's still a sheep. <laughs> it's not you a domesticated. You can sheep. still kill it and eat it. Well, <laughs> people kill and eat monkeys and chimps and whatnot in Africa, so that's not a particularly savory practice, but it goes on. So we do eat oh, our the idea close of neighbors. eating a primate just ugh, that just squicks me on a. Yeah, if you like ever a, go to Africa, don't eat what they call bush meat. Then, oh, yeah, uh, that's what that is. Uh, and uh, for that matter, I wouldn't want to eat an otter either. It'd be all greasy and stringy, and probably not taste good. I have tried horse meat. I've had horse meat too, actually. Um, and not just in a can of dog food. It no, was... I I had mine in Japan. It was served as a delicacy. I, I had mine in Europe. Oh, okay. Was yours cooked? Yeah. Okay, mine wasn't. All right. <laughs> it tasted like tough no, steak. No, no, no Hirosaki taking raw horse meat comments, by the way. That's totally not what I mean. <laughs> Kyle, Ooh, Kyle I think knows I my, that's not what I mean. I think I have my next story idea. Oh, no, please don't. <laughs> well, I have to get you back somehow. I was getting you back. You can't get me back for getting you back. Sure I can. How else do we keep writing Is these that stories? Like you, you triple double fox dare me or... How about if I just triple double fox you? Yes, <laughs> please. Well, we we appear to have drifted a little bit off of the topic of cause. Excellent question. Oh, um, he's talking about blowjob enthusiasm, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But um, yeah, so we—I I mean, we just kind of we just do whatever works for the story, and I think it makes sense to have the feral animals in there. But, um, you know, if you don't need to mention them in the story, you don't need to mention them. I think it's one of those details that doesn't need to be included, really. Yeah, like I was going to say, like with Waterways, it's a high school story. It's yeah. very contemporary, and it's in this fictional urban setting. And if you have you people going out, know. yeah. If you have people going out camping in the woods, now there's going to be something out there. But, um, that, so. But I think it makes sense to just have wildlife. You might want to have a division between, like, maybe you've got sentient foxes and wolves, but you don't have sentient bears. And when they go out in the forest, the bears are not sentient. You could divide it that way. Um, or you could just say there's sentient and non-sentient. Yeah. I think that if it's bothering the author enough, then it should be part of the world that they're building. And if it's not something that's going to be an important part of the world, then don't worry about it. Because otherwise you're just going to have to waste time explaining it to the reader and then not do anything with it. Right. All right, I'm going to wrap up with a couple... We got a couple responses to our NaNoWriMo. Uh, we actually have four people who say they're participating, so I'm going to read them off real quick. The first one is from Atari, Atari Otter. He says... Hey guys, just finished listening to number 15 and figured I would tell you guys that I'm going to give this NaNoWriMo thing a shot to try to ease myself into some better writing habits. My main goal for the month is just to get at least 1,500 words a day, although if I can make it to the 50,000 word goal, so much the better. So congrats to Atari, who I believe is off to a good start. 
Coswolf also said he's going to go for it. He's going to spend the next month writing something. His goal is no specific length beyond the minimum requirement just to get the story out or let it be what it wants to be and be happy with it. I'll try to write every day since I ought to have the time and see what I can do. With any luck, it might be good. I have faith in the potential of the idea, so maybe, just maybe, it'll turn out to be some seriously good material. He's, he's a good writer. I've read a, a few of his stories. I think that he definitely has it in him to pull it off. He is. And he also writes, he continues to sign blowjob enthusiasts, so he's serious about it, apparently. Get that on your business card, man. You would be instantly, that's brilliant self-marketing right there. Yeah, no joke. Um, Especially if you prove it. <laughs> he doesn't say giving or receiving, though. Um, we have another one from Jarolan. Jarolan the raccoon is going to be writing a science fiction story slash novella slash novel slash epic slash whatever it is when I'm done. So be sure to <laughs> cheer him on. Yeah, Jarolan totally species TF'd on us. Yeah, I know. When did he become a raccoon? He used uh, to be a like, fox. Like last week. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to him online. Seriously? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> to be fair, his character is a mad scientist. This, those Kages, and he's been a cockroach forever and ever. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think he likes being a cockroach. I think if you if you're a mad scientist, like, you know what? I want to try being a raccoon. You could figure out a way to do it. I think that I think that what's bothering me is just changing away from a fox. I could see changing into one, but changing away, I don't know, it's rac- just kind of rac- like... Raccoons can be pretty... I, I have a lot I... of raccoons in my stories. Raccoons can be pretty sexy. It's the eye mask. Because he's got the glasses, too. Raccoon with eye mask and glasses. That's kind of hot. Why do you need glasses if you have an eye mask? It's like gilding the lily. Because <sighs> an eye mask doesn't help you see better. Well, then just have contact lenses. <laughs> All right, last one is from... Shakal Draconis, who says he's doing the challenge a little different. He's trying to write 50,000 words of short stories. He says, I might try a true novel next year, but I figure in terms of the goals you guys have laid out, even to make learning to make time to write, robbing the blank page of its fearful qualities, etc., this should be a decent enough start. And NaNoWriMo is all about not needing to get it perfect your first time anyway. Um, and then he asks us some questions, which we will have to address in a future episode because we're running out of time here. But they're interesting ones. They kind of he kind of asks us what we think, how, ask us to talk about each other's work. I'd be up for uh, covering that at a future episode. I believe we can do that. I do think it's interesting that of the people who responded, all of them have made some sort of statement about how they're not committing to an actual novel. I think that we scared them off with our uh, admonishments last time. Yeah, it is. To be to be fair, it is difficult to do a full novel in a month, but it's a and better also, place to start than anywhere else. Yeah, know? and also fifty thousand words is a really short novel, which is it is that's that would be an awkward story length to pace. I think. Yeah, I think it that once you easy. hit like the fifteen to twenty k mark, if you're not done. You've got like another 80k words to go. Yeah. And we'll see. This one that I started writing yesterday is about 3,000 words, and I think it took me to the end of chapter one. So we'll see how long that goes. But we are actually going to begin commenting on each other's work, sort of, starting next week when we read a story that I wrote about the adventures of one KM Hirosaki. I am an actor. 
he does wear pants in the beginning of the story at any rate. Whether, whether I leave them on for the duration is up for you to learn in uh, just about a week's time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's how you write your jump moment. Yes. And then the jump, pants came off. Jumping your bones. Oh, I think that does it. Uh, we uh, kicked off. Congrats to everyone who started NaNoWriMo. Best of luck. Keep writing every day. Keep us posted on your progress. And we will continue to chat on LiveJournal and on the podcast. And we'll read your updates as you send them in. And also, it's only November 2nd. So you have time to get started and catch up if you haven't started already. Exactly. You've got a whole Thanksgiving holiday where you could do double time. Oh. <laughs> you know, I actually had a couple of people uh, at the end of last week. Asked me if I was doing NaNoWriMo, and I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> like, I have not in any sort of personal state of life where I could write 50,000 words in the next year, let alone month. Well, it also kind of sucks for furries because you have Midwest Fur Fest in the middle of that. And, if, um, and then Thanksgiving holiday is I've, not always a conducive time to write. I've got a big old furry Thanksgiving, which I do not plan to do any work or writing during. Well, good for you. So enjoy your National Novel Writing Month. Hope you all had a great Halloween. And we will be back at you next week with a live performance. Of the story, we're not going to perform the stuff. We might be. If that gets them tuning in. Uh, There are so many ways I can take Oh my god, I did not just say that. <laughs> oh, I've, I've you've read the story. There's really only one way you take it. It writes itself, folks. <laughs> and uh, with that, I'm going to take my delicious glass of water and sign off for the evening. This has been Easily Flustered K. Mirasaki. And this is Kyle Gold reminding you to write into unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on FA as unsheathed.